Welcome to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, an integrative health podcast by Center for New Medicine. We created the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast as an extension of our mission to educate and empower individuals along their health journey. This integrative health podcast will bring you in-depth expert interviews on a plethora of health topics. Tune in bi-weekly for interviews on how to create a non-toxic lifestyle, integrative approaches to treating complex health concerns like diabetes, Lyme's, Hashimoto's, Crohn's, adrenal fatigue, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, cancer prevention, early cancer detection, integrative cancer treatments, and so much more. Through the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, we hope to provide cutting-edge, science-based information you can use to create a happier and healthier life for you and your loved ones. Well, JJ, welcome to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. Good to be here. So you and Dr. Keneally, for the audience who doesn't know, I think go back quite a ways. And we'll be able to touch a little bit on your guys' history together. But just for the audience or the listener who maybe doesn't totally know your story, JJ, before we get into the interview, can you just share a little bit about your introduction to wellness and kind of what got you to where you are today? Some of the most pivotal moments, I'd say. Mm, Okay. Yes, and I'm thinking, how long have we known each other? 15 years? 20 years? Probably about 15 to 20. I was thinking about that. A long time. (laughs) Yes. Um, You know, I can't really imagine a time when I wasn't into all of this. I grew up in Berkeley, so it's kind of hippie farm to table, although my parents were total Midwesterners that put potato chips on Campbell's soup casseroles. So, and, and, and gave me Pop-Tarts for breakfast. And I did a whole rebellion at age 12. I wanted to be a theater actress dancer. And I saw my body as like this instrument and I wasn't going to put that stuff in it, which caused a total uproar, like a total uproar that I would not like, you know, eat white bread and bologna and have dessert, etc. cetera. Um, and I just started studying then. And I went off to college on a theater scholarship, but I quickly decided I didn't want to become a waitress, which is what the big joke was at UCLA is you were in the theater department training to be a waitress. And I'm like, why would anyone do this? So I started studying nutrition and exercise science. And when I graduated from there with an English degree, I went straight into biomechanics and exercise phys and then onto nutrition because I literally ran out of classes to take an exercise, you know, and I was like, and what became clear to me early on is that you cannot out exercise a poor diet. And so many people were just trying to get healthy by exercise, you know, and just eating all this garbage or they were doing the bodybuilder chicken and brown rice. I think that still exists today, the chicken and brown rice bodybuilder diets, like no fat, you know, type of thing. So I really got obsessed with nutrition and then from nutrition started to look at everything, uh, everything functional medicine oriented because what started to become clear was it was early on I was being taught in school that in order to lose weight, you had to create a, a one pound a week was a 500 calorie deficit, right? Eat, eat less, exercise more, two pounds a week was a thousand, except it wasn't working. And after I figured out my clients weren't actually lying and cheating, which was my first assumption, and it was the assumption, you know what an assumption is, uh, I went, all right, well, if calories aren't it, 
if your body's not a bank account, what the heck is really going on? And then it became clear that, that it's a chemistry lab and that there's so much more. And back then there really wasn't any big discussion about hormones, especially not with exercise. Um, so that's kind of been the journey ever since is to figure out not just how food is information, but diet is information, lifestyles information and how they all, I, I ultimately like everything around weight loss because weight's a symptom of things not working well in your body. So there's a lot of things not working well in the United States right now with 75% of the people overweight or obese. And, you know, to remove the shame around that and to really look at it as a symptom and something that we have to get to the, the root cause of. Mm, I love that. Something I want to ask, because going through your website, you see holistic nutrition. And what I want to hone in on is, from your perspective, what is the difference between maybe conventional nutrition and holistic nutrition? Is there a difference? Is that why? ridiculous? Shouldn't it all be holistic? <laughs> like, 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 why should there be holistic nutrition? <laughs> like, it should just be nutrition. I see, I see Dr. C wagging her head at me because it's like ridiculous. Um, however, when I was in grad school and I was like, all right, now what do I want to do? When I realized that I was all the way up in a PhD program in, in exercise phys and I went, there's, I was taking classes in the dental school. Like there was nothing left to take. And I went, I need to study nutrition. But I saw what was happening with the the nutrition programs at the time, the registered dietitians, and I go, I, I can't do this. Like I can't go into this and take tests to pass the tests and then go, go learn the real information elsewhere. You know, it's just not worth it. So that was the big challenge is I think it's changed. I hope it's changed. Um, but you know, 20, 25 years ago, what they were teaching in nutrition in school is the antithesis of what I would ever want to do. Fat was bad. You know, you could get all of the nutrition and protein you needed from a potato. I'll never forget. I was sitting in a lecture and this woman who looked like a potato, like you are what you eat. I mean, she looked like a potato. I would say the potato on stilts. She's clearly damaged her metabolism. She's got all of that truncal fat, you know, all the abdominal fat and skinny arms and legs. And she's talking about how we can get all of the nutrition we need from a potato. And I was like going, I can't, I have to leave, you know, this, this. So I would say that that's probably why we have this field of holistic nutrition, but hopefully now it's kind of become just nutrition, mm. but I don't know yet. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm just being idealistic. What I want, and this is a question for both of you is, I think we're starting to see how, or at least maybe in the more alternative medicine, functional medicine world, how bio-individual every patient, every client is. And what I wanna ask is, are there some nutritional foundations though that could be applied to everyone? Sort of these foundational things. And then of course, when you're working individually with someone, you make some tweaks and adjustments, but what are some of the nutritional foundations? Yeah, I think that, you know, we can get you 80% of the way there most of the time, and then you tweak individually. And I remember when I used to see people a lot one-on-one, -on -one, I always thought, oh, you can't do this. You know, you can't do this as a group. You can't do this. And then I realized there was things I was repeating all the time. And that if I could give those to people, get them as far as they could go there, and then we we tweak and see what else is going on. So I think that the best thing that you can do to start is to first 
improve the quality of the food you eat and the beverages you drink. Like everyone wants to know all those other things they do. And it's like, just start by, you know, unprocessing your diet, the processed foods you are going to eat, make sure they're clean processed, not dirty processed with damaged vegetable oils and all sorts of high sugar impact foods. But step one is just to do that. And then step two, I like to have people go through some, a pretty simple detox. Um, and the pretty simple detox is to really make sure that their body is able to get the toxins out and to liberate the fat because otherwise if you can't get the toxins out and you're freeing up fat you're making yourself worse not better so that's kind of my step two is a very simple detox that's really more like you know if you look at detoxification it's such a continuum and if the first part of your detox is just taking out those dirty processed foods and adding in, you know, I like to add before I take away. One of my favorite nutrition mentors said that early on, and I think it's a piece we forget, just adding in more deep green veggies and making sure that you're digesting your protein, the clean stuff like that. That's sort of my step two. And I do that in conjunction with pulling out the most common high food intolerance foods. These aren't necessarily issues for everybody, but when I did food sensitivity testing, I used to teach doctors how to use it in their practices. This is the stuff I saw over and over and over again, and it's why I modified the classic elimination diet into the virgin diet, because it was like the foods they were putting in a classic elimination diet, I was never seeing. And I was always seeing gluten, which is a different way, a different type of test, but then eggs, dairy, corn, soy, peanuts. And then, of course, you have to address sugar and artificial sweeteners because they're creating a lot of the problems that are making you react to food. So I always start there and my detox is pulling those foods out, adding in healing gut foods. And then another thing I think is really important for people to do is to start to compress their feeding window and to mm -hmm. stop snacking. But you have to do that when you're eating what I call a hormonally balanced plate. If you're eating, say, the typical high-carb, low-fat, um, vegan-style diet, because in a vegan diet, you're either eating, you're either going to get a lot of fat with your protein or a lot of carbs with your protein. I find most people tend to go on the carb route, so they're eating a higher-carb diet, and they're hungry all the time, and they can't stabilize their blood sugar. If step one is eat clean protein, eat healthy fats, get fiber from loads of non-starchy veggies and, and slow-low carbs, get yourself hormonally balanced, and then let's get you stop eating three to four hours before bed and start eating, see, coffee delivered. Start eating, uh, <laughs> you know, in the morning, push your breakfast a little bit and ideally do a little fasted hit workout. And then just start to kick out your snacks because snacks just raise blood sugar and insulin. So get yourself to three meals a day within a 12 hour window, then get it to two, three meals a day within a 10 hour window, and then cycle in some intermittent fasting of two meals in a six to eight hour window. And and then make sure you're really lowering your sugar impact because you know sugar of all the things makes the biggest challenges. But the basic things that everybody needs to do is eat by that plate, the clean protein, healthy fat, loads of fiber to stop the snacking and increase the fluids in between, especially water and some ice cream tea. And that's not ice cream tea. Every time I say that, people are like, ice cream tea? I go, it, it did, it sounded like Not ice cream tea, it is iced tea. <laughs> green tea, iced green tea, um, you know, and then um, 
really being mindful once you get to there it's like where are you I have, I have people who start start on these programs and you know the average person who's got a good metabolism when they reduce high food intolerance foods will lose up to seven pounds in a week as they start to do that and shorten their feeding window because they're reducing inflammation but if someone's really damaged and i'm actually working through this with a couple people right now it could take them weeks as they start to get their blood sugar stable as they start to heal their gut to be able to start to lose weight. And so it's really important to do these basics first. Everybody wants the, what's the peptide that's gonna help me lose weight? You know, it's like, you gotta get your body healthy and heal your metabolism in order to lose weight. And if you're not seeing that come off, that is such an important metric, you know, because it's telling you that you've got other things you've gotta look at. Maybe you're insulin resistant, maybe you've got high cortisol due to stress, maybe your gut is super inflamed and leaky and you've got maybe SIBO that's making you store more calories from fat, right? So anyway, long-winded answer to, <laughs> to some simple first steps, but the biggest first step being start with just adding before you take away, crowd out the bad stuff by adding in more non-starchy vegetables, clean protein, and good healthy fats. I love that. Dr. C, anything you would <clears throat> add? Yeah, I would echo a lot of what JJ uh, has said. And unfortunately, there's so many food gurus out there who say they're experts. And uh, and because uh, we this week a week ago, we had a panel uh, with Joel Furman and another uh, Terry Walls and me and everybody was you know speaking what they thought was right and. And Joel Furman was like, oh, no, you can only do this. And I'm like, what? What? You know, I yeah. just. You <laughs> Whenever know. you hear only, there's a big problem. Yeah, it's a big problem. Exactly. Every individual's an original. And like you said, you've got to start with fundamentals. The first problem is if you look at the society today, you mentioned, you know, overweight and obese, about 80% of the population. And then over 60% of the population has chronic illness, okay? So obviously, whatever we're all doing, it's not working, okay? So everyone, of course, is looking the other way, ignoring the problem, the elephant in the room, that the health of the United States is deplorable, okay? It's deplorable. We're spending two and a half times more than any country, and it's politically incorrect to really say what we need to say, unfortunately, but we're gonna say it. And, um, it, you know, people are not conscious of what they are doing on a daily basis, okay? I have girlfriends, and they go, oh, my God, they're always pro-lawn, and then the, this diet and that diet and everything. And they just, because, like JJ was saying, they're snacking. They're snacking. Yeah. Like, Stop that. Their, their relationship <laughs> with food, is, it's, it's not healthy. And so they don't even know, they're unconscionable that they're snacking. I mean, literally, I am over their house, and I'm like, we just ate, and they're still eating. And I'm like, like, there's no way that you can do this, okay? And so people need to really take inventory of really how their day really goes, okay? How do they sleep? If you don't sleep, you know, you're going to have a problem losing weight, okay? Uh, you've got to drink purified water. Most people are drinking pharma uh, chemical, you know, water every day, unfortunately. So JJ mentioned about detoxification. Yeah, I find it's amazing when I cleanse the patient, they're like, 
oh my God, I can sleep. I'm not snoring. I have so much energy. I've lost weight because so many chemicals are obesogens, things that chemicals that cause obesity, and they are diabetogens, which cause the insulin, you know, problem. And so, uh, so unfortunately, in the world today, it, it, it's it's unfortunately very um, chemicalized. Everything's very chemicalized to the extreme. And they don't want you to know how chemicalized and, and destructive what everything is. But if you read the label and you have to have a PhD in chemistry, then you know probably that's probably not the food that you are going, the information you're going to put in your body. Um, but if you look back in time, you know, people, they moved all, they, they were very active, but they also lived off the land and they they were hunter gatherers, okay. So you know, like DJ said already, is you know you've got to have some fat because all your membranes, your brain are have fat, and then you've got to have protein. Even though there's lots of people that say, oh no, we eat too much protein, but you have to have protein because that's what causes you to be hungry in one hour. And then you've got to eat the foods that, uh, the carbohydrates, the favorable carbohydrates that don't again spike the insulin. So we make it sound like it's simple and it is simple. Once you start doing it, you say, oh yes, this new way of is really great and I'm feeling balanced and I don't have hunger in one hour, two hours or three hours. And I know because JJ and I do it, we do it every day. and. And we're not starving every other minute. And I find that people, they're constantly battling with this food and with information out there. And everybody's looking for the one night wonder and the quick fix. There is no quick fix. It's the it's progress, not perfection. And it's day to day being conscious of what you eat and really understand the science of what you're eating. I mean, there is... Uh, she like you know JJ's been studying this forever and she's still like mastering it okay and so uh you know people want to um you know stick everybody into this one avenue I've never seen it I've never seen it I see patients five days a week and I w they wouldn't need to see me if it were that simple mm -hmm. okay and you're troubleshooting like JJ said you can fix a lot of things 80 percent she's right uh, but there's that individual, you know, tweaking that you have to do. And yes, people talk about, oh, well, this this drug, this peptide, this thing. Well, there are maybe some tweaking with that, but that's really the icing on the cake on a person. Uh, that's not what the basic fundamental physiology is going to fix. And so um, I think people need to get away from this panacea one size fits all diet because there really is no such thing one of the things i think that is important here is there there's also sort of intervention type nutrition and then maintenance nutrition or the lifestyle and oftentimes i think particularly in your case dr c when you're working with cancer patients stage four there's a level of nutritional intervention that is really intense and extreme versus once we are maybe at a different point it becomes certain things can change so that it becomes a lifestyle but i want to go back to what you said jj that you know 80 percent of nutrition are these foundations 
The other 20% is where we make it more refined and bio-individual for the person we're working with. And so what I'd love to hear from each of you is when you are working on that 20% with your client or your patient, what are some of those probing questions? What are some of those metrics that you're using to help you make a refined protocol guidelines for each person? I want to throw one other thing just so you've got this in your head, actually, because I know you've heard this one. And when we talk about 80% of the population, now I come from the belief and I will, I will get in an argument. I would say, would I get in an argument at a cocktail party with this one? Yes, I would. I do not believe you can be overweight and over fat and healthy. And it's a very big difference between being overweight and over fat. If you're overweight with a great body composition, you're not over, you know, you're, you're not over fat. But I don't believe you can be over fat and healthy because of all of the hormonal disruptions and inflammation start to happen. So if we know that now it's around 80% of the population's overweight um, or obese, and we've got 12% of the population, I don't know if you saw this, this research, that is supposedly metabolically healthy, but yet when I looked at the metrics they sh showed to say you're metabolically healthy, it was like blood pressure 130 over, over 90, blood sugar 90 or below, uh, triglycerides 150 or below. It was like things I was like, a waist measurement for a woman of 34 or 35 or below, I think, oh, a wow. man 40 or below. And I'm like, that's not metabolically healthy. And then if you factor in the research that showed that of the people who were actually of normal weight, 50% of those people were tofi, thin outside, fat inside, you get down to, by my calculations, if we're lucky, 10% of the population actually being metabolically healthy. And so when you're looking at diet as one of the foundational ways to heal, it's just one of the foundational ways to heal. So I think we get them on the diet, you look at, um, like I always like to start with food intolerance when I go through it to connect the dots between which foods work for you and which foods don't. If I can't get enough through diet, uh, through doing it just with diet, I'll do a food sensitivity test to look at it there. Then I will lower sugar and make sure we can get some intermittent fasting. We've really created what's called meta metabolic adaptation where they can shift from burning fat to ketones to carbs and they can go and do that easily, which is the challenge of someone going like, I'm just gonna be on a keto diet forever. Well, that, then you lose that ability. Um, so you want to be able to cross train your diet, just like we know to cross train our exercise. But when I look at this, and again, I love the world of weight loss resistance, like the virgin diet was written as like step one to helping you with that, but it's step one, when you look at what causes you to be unhealthy and damage your metabolism, it is stress. Like if you look at why do you have food intolerance, stress is number one, you know, why are people's blood sugar elevated? Stress is going to be number one. So stress is a key one. Um, and you know, so I look at, all right, I've got the diet. What I'm going to tell you is the next thing I'm going to focus on is stress and sleep. They go together. If you're stressed, you're not sleeping well. If you're not sleeping well, you're stressing your body. If you've got those things going on, you're going to be hungrier. You're going to be more insulin resistant. You're going to have higher cortisol. Your, your gut's going to become more permeable. You're going to break down muscle. You're going to crave sugar. I mean, all sorts of things. Basically, you're better at storing fat and you're going to crave more things you shouldn't be eating. So I look at those and managing those. So I'm gonna do an assessment with them using a sleep tracker. Uh, a lot of times we'll do an adrenal salivary index to see what's going on. Cause I really like to see because people generally underestimate how stressed they really are. Um, 
I like to always make sure that their thyroid's working well because if they're under stress, they probably have now hit their thyroid. And if your thyroid's not working well, you're going to always struggle with your weight. I'm gonna look at their sex hormones because if they're going through menopause, right? Or they are a man going through menopause or they've got lower testosterone or any of those things are gonna get a challenge. This is where I'm always working with functional medicine docs, integrative docs to make sure that we can get this all together. <clears throat> looking at their gut beyond just food sensitivities to see what's going on with their gut microbiome. Because if you have too much of the wrong bacteria, you extract more calories from the food you eat and store them as fat. Um, and looking at insulin and blood sugar and all of the cardio markers to see what's going on there in terms of insulin resistance and inflammation. And then, you know, <clears throat> I kind of look at the least important thing here is genes because all this stuff, like genetically, I think we're all hardwired to become insulin resistant and have heart disease because of the way we're eating. We were never set up to eat this way. And now they're eating this way. Our genes are going, no, we don't do this, right? We don't have what we need to handle this. But I just assume that you've got a genetic predisposition to all of these things. And let's not like turn those genes up to get this going. But um, so I tend to focus on all these things that I can actually see in real time. I love continuous glucose monitoring to see functional blood sugar responses um, and then doing the right type of exercise because that's another one that I see. It's kind of the holdover from the old diet days where people just try to cut their calories. And so when you cut your calories, you tend to go low fat because it's the most calorie dense, even though it's also can be some of the most nutrient dense and uh, insulin neutral foods. And then um, you'll overexercise in terms of cardio, which doesn't really change your, your body composition equation because muscle is gonna be the key there to improving insulin sensitivity, right? So I look at all of those other things. Once I've got the diet stabilized and the other places I'll make shifts are more in the supplement range. Mm -hmm. Right, and yeah, and so when we see patients here, whatever the situation is, everybody's unique. If it's a cancer patient uh, and they're overweight, I'll, I will put them on fasting because um, unfortunately cancer is a 10-year disease and here you are emergently trying to get them better faster. So, so a patient like that, I obviously will do comprehensive blood testing, comprehensive hormone. Every single one of our patients, even if you're 21 years of age, gets comprehensive hormone testing because young people have 50-year-old diseases now. And so um, they, they have to be evaluated just like a 50-year-old because almost, I'd say 80% of the young people today have thyroid problems, adrenal problems, um, andropause, low test, I mean, I would say all of them, unfortunately, because, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's there are, um, a product of their environment and the way that they were raised eating cereal for breakfast and peanut butter and jelly for lunch and um, pasta for dinner. So they're just on a sugary diet and so they don't have nutrients to build their hormones and protein to build their hormones, et cetera. And so, uh, so the patients need, you know, people, it would be nice when if like Weight Watchers is just looking at the intake and output, but unfortunately today's world, because we have so many endocrine disruptors and so much stress that the whole endocrine uh, uh, you know, orchestra is disturbed so much. 
Uh, so we have to do blood tests. We've got to do, Dr. Uh, JJ mentioned saliva cortisol because saliva has a circadian rhythm. So that means in the morning, it's high to serve you a little bit lower at lunch, a little bit lower at four, lower at eight, and very low at nighttime because you're supposed to be sleeping, repairing, restoring. And so I do 24-hour urine hormone evaluations also. But as again, this is a process. Uh, so the first thing is to try to get this, these patients, their lives in order, which it starts. I always tell people your day starts when you go to sleep. 50% of the population is not sleeping. So if you don't sleep, the rest of the day is going to be disturbed. You're, not, you're gonna have insulin problems. You're gonna have cortisol problems. You're gonna have a tendency to put on weight. Distru uh, imbalances in the leptin. I mean, it's just a, a lot of things. And so um, so the biggest thing is getting these people's body in a physiological, biological order, because I find most people are really out of order and they just go through life going like this and never doing a check and balance of what's really going on until they're sick. And then they have to go, oh my gosh, you know, uh, uh, I'm at the end of the rope. I've got to change everything and unfortunately JJ and I would like to change everybody instantaneously but people don't respond quite like that so you have to slowly make changes and like she mentioned the gut well now if you look what's going into our gastrointestinal system with glyphosates insecticides pesticides stress electromagnetic fields in interfering with that people taking lots of medicines today antibiotics and other medicines, all those medicines disturb the natural gut defense system. And so, so they're susceptible to candida, which I would say lots of people have because people take an inordinate amount of antibiotics and then they eat sugar that feeds the candida. And so that's why they don't feel good. That's why they're bloated and swollen. Um, then they have SIBO. Like SIBO wasn't even anything I learned about in medical school. Well, now everybody has SIBO. And I'm like, because they have so much disorder in their intake that they have the SIBO and then they get on drugs that partially work, but a lot of times don't work. So then you, you, you perpetuate this cycle because like if you take all the drugs for SIBO, I mean, you create another imbalance on the other end. And so, and then parasites, which is, you know, I was reading an article of a guy who has a parasitology lab and, and parasites are 50% of the population. Well, when people, and parasites don't just live in the stool, they live outside of uh, extra intestinally. So outside the gastrointestinal, well, those create lots of different havoc on so many levels. And so it's very hard for a, conventional doctor because they think oh you live in the United States oh we have sterile everything we're all perfect and no we're not because parasites are a real real problem in all of the world and you know third world lives here now so they did a sample in Los Angeles in a restaurant and that a hundred percent of the employees had fecal material in their fingernails a hundred percent so so you know and and and, and you know parasites are in all kinds of foods, okay, veggies, all kind of things. And so a doctor has to be really schooled in how to really assess and diagnose parasites. So so now that we know what we now know today, you know, it, maybe it was simple. I remember I started my first practice on weight loss. Well, it was really easy 35 years ago. Now with the complications and the 
external extraneous influences of the world and how we are tr trying to bioengineer new GMO food. We use an excessive use of insecticides, pesticides, glycophosphate, everything. Add the extreme amount of stress technology into that. So now we have to go back to the way we were 50 years ago, where it was simpler, more in order, and and um, we have to go back to the old ways. That's what that's what worked on many levels. So, I think understanding the foundations can be so helpful because it's almost like a checklist for the individual of yes there's so many diets out there some of them are really great for specific things but if a diet's telling you to eat this uh packaged meal that's frozen in your freezer <clears throat> you know is that checking off the these foundational things of it needs to be real food it needs to be nutrient dense you know and so having those sort of foundational things to guide some of those decisions i think can help make those decisions a little bit more clear for individuals. Well, and let's not forget how much misinformation there is out there that is just compounding the problem. You know, you go to the grocery store, you see a label that says all natural, and which means nothing whatsoever. And then it says no sugar added, but there's apple juice concentrate in it because they can say that. You know, you look at, and then you go to the, the bookstore and you think, okay, well, now I don't know, I don't know how to navigate the grocery store. So I'll go to the bookstore and look at different diets and figure out what to do. And then you look at all this stuff and it's like, never eat meat, only eat meat. <laughs> you <know>? Right. It's like, <laughs> you know, plants are bad for you. Only eat plants. You're like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And so I love what you just said, because it, it literally, I keep looking at just what's going on between, you know, Wi-Fi, cell phones, our level of stress, the fact that we're always connected and I go, God, we just need to like go, go back, turn back time. But can you actually even do that? I mean, look how much food has changed in the last 50 years. You know, the pop tarts that I make fun of that were so bad for me growing up, like those are actually more like a health food nowadays compared <laughs> to the other stuff. You know, I mean, it's like, it's, it's ridiculous. So, you know, yes, we need to go back, but gosh, I don't think there's any going back. Like people, no. people aren't going to go, go head back. And, and you look at the train we're on now and what you're talking about with, with adolescents and young adults and little kids, like a little kid shouldn't be obese. Like that's, that's a damaged metabolism there. Like in that starts at that age. Oh my gosh. Like the level of damage and how hard it is to fix it. It's, it's like, it's crazy. So. Right. I, yes, I, I was walking on the beach Sunday and I was looking at seven year olds, eight year olds obese. And I'm like, whoa, what are they going to have in five years and 10 years? I mean, the inflammatory cytokines that are occurring with these children, not to mention the change in the endocrine system, everything. And and we as a as a, a, a country need to really take hold. I know JJ's trying to do part, her part. I'm trying to do it. A lot of other people. And yes, there is an unbelievable when a when a eat when a book focuses on just one thing, just one plant, you know, just plant based. Because I hear them. I know JJ knows them. Okay. I went to a conference and 
they were like, no, this is the only way. This is, and I'm like, whoa, this is really interesting. It's, it's interesting too, when you think about it, because I can't think of any people group in history that ever ate that way. Right. So if you couldn't survive in the wild, I mean, that's always kind of my question mark is if you threw me out there, like if, if we were doing the mission to Mars or whatever, and I could only survive on, on a couple things, like I couldn't just survive on plants. I'd get deficient and die. Right. So, you know, like what do we need? What, because food, I know we've got it now that food is pleasure and we've created all of these foods by the companies that make you addicted and now you're not you're not making choices based on what we used to do which was you use food to heal and food to fuel you know and not food to you know make you addicted craving and sick Mm -hmm. right absolutely something i think we've also lost is the ability to tune into self and I think we are reading these magazines, we're watching these news posts, we're following these people on social media who say, I did this, it was amazing, it worked for me, and so I start eating that same way, I feel horrible, (laughs) and I'm not able to go, you know, maybe this isn't the thing for me. And it doesn't mean that that way of eating wasn't the perfect way of eating for that person. It just means it maybe isn't the way of eating for me, but I think in some ways we've really outsourced our autonomy to the the people on social media the people in the magazines who are the experts um, or the influencers who we just want to get on trend and we aren't stopping to tune in with what makes me feel energized and good and fueled and not heavy and lethargic and brain foggy i have a theory on that um and kind of just thinking you know all our friends who've written um, diet books, all the, all the ones I know, the diet book they wrote is the diet they follow. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, when I wrote the virgin diet and the sugar impact diet, I didn't actually want to call them diets, but the publishers are like, but that's what people know. Like they don't know how to put this any other way. I mean, the reality is we've really got a, a challenge with having this one word because diet means, you know, the food you eat every day. And then diet means this, this, Thing that you go on and so I look at it and I think you know if we could reframe diets to be something that you do therapeutically for the short term to learn things about your body that you can then take and bring into your daily personalized eating plan that would be amazing but I can't think of the thing that's simple to say on the other side because personalized eating plan is quite a big mouthful but that's what we're really trying to do with all of these things like like both my books are not diets they're processes and they take you through a process of discovery where you can connect the dots to go how do i feel how do i feel when i eat gluten how do i feel when i eat dairy because here's the thing you might hear oh you should never eat gluten and you'll keep doing it but if you went through a process where you detoxed you started healing your gut using some intermittent fasting, fasting for what I call it limb of fasting cycles, and then went back and checked in and went, how do I feel now that I've got a kind of a clean slate, I can see how I truly feel eating this. And you go, whoa, I had no idea that this made me, you know, my weight go up four pounds overnight. Like you don't gain four pounds overnight. That's inflammation. I had no idea my joints would ache or whatever those things are. And now it's a different conversation then, oh, okay, I'll just have a cheat day. Cheat cheat days and cheat meals make me crazy. But now you've connected the dots. And so it's exactly that. We need to be able to 
look at a plan, go, what are my current issues? Like, what's what am I looking to to fix right now? And that's where it's great to work with a practitioner who can say, like, let's go through the matrix of all of the different things that could be issues and focus on on it. Because maybe it's not that at all. Maybe you need to start meditating, right? Maybe you need to shift up your exercise. But if it is diet, and let's say maybe it's some gut issues, then you go on a gut healing protocol and then you figure out which foods work for you and which foods don't maybe it's insulin resistance and then you can go and start adding in some intermittent fasting and and omad fasting to really start to get your blood sugar back in check and make sure that you're getting in the fiber that you need right and doing some things like lemon juice and cinnamon and vinegar to help balance it too so i think we need to reframe the way that we look at diets we need to redefine them because you know, I hear people will come up to me and go, oh my gosh, I've been on the virgin diet for years. I go, it's it's not a forever diet. It's a process to help you figure out which foods work for you and which foods don't. And then you should revisit it because stress might get your gut leaky and you might need to, you might have some issues. So if you start to not feel great again, go back and do it again. But it's not a, this is not something you stay on forever. Like it's a process. Mm-hmm. So. Right. And diet, I always say is temporary. So you know die with temper and so (laughs) so it's not like it's a it's like she said there's no it's a way of eating because like when i ask patients i don't say what diet are you on i go you know describe your eating plan to me and or your way of eating because diet is is first of all it's a bad word you know people like oh god i'm gonna suffer now i'm going to like be deprived and without and so I think if we just uh, put patients in the things that this is their new life, this is their new way of living, and they're going to take inventory of what they're doing on a day-to-day basis and look what make what is it? How does this make me feel? Do I do I feel good after I eat meat? Do I feel good after I eat dairy? Do I feel good after whatever I? What is it? How is it making me mm. feel? Because if you're not feeling great every day you must like take an inventory, not just of your eating, but your entire way of, of living. Because I would say the biggest problem today is with people's stress. People, when I talk to patients, I go, okay, tell me your stress. And then they, whoa. I mean, they unload, <laughs> they unload most of the visit. It turned into is, a therapy session. Yeah, exactly, it turns into a therapy <laughs> session. So then, so we, we got to start with that because it's gonna be very hard for them to stick to a program that they're gonna to have to pay attention to and when they have this overwhelming stress in their lives. And so, and stress is bioaccumulated, you know, in the womb uh, and obviously generations before that. And so they, they bioaccumulated all of these things and they've got to now like have some kind of epiphany some patients decide they have an epiphany or they get a diagnosis of a heart attack or cancer is usually the worst diagnosis um then they have to get 2020 with oh my god uh, you know the world's ending i've got to do everything i can whatever it takes Mm -hmm. because i have to say that every single patient that i ask since their diagnosis of cancer i go what what have you changed and every single one of them hands down will say what they put in their mouth, how they eat. So that means subconsciously they knew that before because they knew that the day before because, uh, you know, how did they know to change their eating? They knew they were breaking the rules before 
And um, and like I had a guy come in and he has multiple myeloma for 11 years and he drinks every day and does skull every day. And I'm like, so I'm not sure how you think you're going to get well. You're battling a disease of 11 years. And then, you know, fortunately, though, I told him I'm non-negotiable with this. <laughs> there is no way I can get you well. And uh, if you're going to be my partner in your health, this is what we have to do. And he did it. So, which is pretty miraculous. Got off, did a cleanse, got off alcohol, and got off school in, in three weeks. Uh, but cancer will, you know, if you want to live, cancer will uh, invoke those changes. Yeah, but, you know, kudos to you because, um, you know, working in this field and working in conjunction with doctors, quite often I've seen the doctors that don't want to have that hard conversation. So they try to navigate around it. And I'm like, you know, you can't navigate around these things. Like you can't. Right. Well, I have to hit that. Yeah. I tell the patients it's this is non-negotiable. Okay. And I, I always use you like, are we going to be partners? So, so, uh, yes, I, I am tough love with love. So that, but, but yep. I'm in charge. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm their pilot or their, however, their wingman, however you want to look at it. I, and I want them to succeed. And when you get these devastating diagnoses, it doesn't really matter. I mean, autoimmune, heart disease, cancer, they're all chronic diseases and they require chronic so long-term solutions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's not like if you're diagnosed with diabetes i can't say okay just eat your cake and i'm going to give you your insulin or your medicine and then i'll see you in three months no yeah, but some people do yeah i i know <laughs> i had a patient who was at kaiser and his wife was seeing me for breast cancer and he it was diabetic and he was in the visit and so I kind of, I always get the fa the whole family involved. And so I said, so what do you think about what's going on with your wife? And he says, well, you know, I have diabetes. And I said, so tell me, what did, <clears throat> what did you eat today? And, uh, he's, and he's on insulin dependent. And he goes, oh, well, I just had like a, a whole thing of cookies. And, uh, you know, I was like, what? I said, do you know that when you are diabetic, that like, sugar's not optional at all it's a no-no you will never be able to cover it with insulin and go to your appointment and get better and so he became our patient and it's it's a funny story because kaiser did not tell him anything about eating just take the insulin and we'll see you in three months so he changed his diet went on you know a, the right eating program went back and they go oh my god you're in the non-diabetic range and they go, well, what I did is I changed my entire eating. And they're like, okay, we'll just continue what you're doing. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is 2022 <laughs> and this is happening? This is, mm -hmm. this is a travesty, literally a travesty. And, um, but that's why we're in the dilemma we're in. Because one, the information is not, the doctors don't have time to deliver the right information to transform the patient's life. Then the misinformation then the food supply at the grocery store is is it's got so many different additives and chemicals that are disturbing the natural physiology of our body that the patient is overwhelmingly confused and really doesn't know what to do and is lost agreed yeah it breaks my heart it does it, you know it's like 
you know people don't want to feel bad you know and then they try to start to do things that will make them feel better and it doesn't work so then they just figure it must be their genes or they're just this is just them getting older and i guess this is just it <laughs> right yeah but i it's interesting i had a little 25 year old come in yesterday and uh, she had melanoma already and um already had it removed and everything and uh, here we have a 25 year old who the doctor took care of the melanoma and then she got so scared that she came to see me and here she is high sugar candida fatty liver and this girl's not really overweight but she is so committed to restoration of her health she's got her significant other on board and so I do see a glimmer of light of young people, 25 to 35, wanting to change the paradigm. I mean, look at you, Leanne. You, you're, you're in the health field and trying to change it. And so, um, so and I, the podcast I'm doing, they're young people. They're 30 years old. And I'm like, okay, there's a ray of hope up to mm -hmm. awaken humanity. So uh, we just need to work at it more fervently. So, And what I'm hearing from both of you is there's a component in both of your practices of educating i think empowering the client the patient to be able to once they leave your office make their own decisions and i think this is what's lacking from a lot of practices even regardless whether conventional traditional traditional functional of the dependency on the practitioner versus I'm here to help you, I'm here to give you, but I'm, I'm your partner, as you said. I'm not here to get in your car of life and drive you around. I'm gonna help you tune up your car, I'm gonna help you make the changes you need to, but you're still the driver, ultimately, and I'm gonna give you the tools you need to drive well. So that ultimately means that the person coming in needs to be committed, right? because nothing happens without a commitment and we can't get more involved in their health than they are. Like, they're not with them 24 seven. So they have to take the personal responsibility and I find that that starts, and sadly, you know, I think with the people that you see, they are, they're big, their why now is huge because all of a sudden they are have a life-threatening illness that is making them wake up. The big goal is really to help people see early on because, you know, cancer didn't happen overnight, neither did diabetes, neither did heart disease. And it's like, how do you help people see early on this value so that they never have to get to this point and that they take personal responsibility from the start? I remember on Dr. Phil, we tried to do this with the teen group out in in Texas and the funny story was they went into this high school and took away all the fast food and then they sent me in to explain and I'm like well that's not the way you do it you got to get them bought in and then we tried to help some teens um, that we took from all over the country on the show but the challenge was the parents were sabotaging them and the schools they couldn't eat healthy so you know you look at this and go we've got to get just start to get if, if it's the 25 to 35 year olds, we've got to get them on board because they're going to be raising the next generation. And the next generation, it just has to be the way they grow up. They can't grow up on the Pop-Tarts and the Campbell's creamy soup with the potato chip casserole. <laughs> you know, they, and, and those were probably compared to nowadays, probably pretty whole foods healthy compared to what's going on now. But, you know, we've got to start with education when they're young. We can't have a situation where the pandemic hits and people have no idea how to how to cook. 
right? That's true. And the young generation, they're they don't even know. They get leaves high school and go to college, and they don't even know how to cook an egg. And so, right. but you, you're right. It needs to happen. Well, I always say it needs to happen with that couple who wants to have a baby. So before they even think about having a baby, they do both of them do a cleanse and clean up their eating and clean up get their body in order. And then they can create the miracle that they want and set their intentions right. So it does need to start because if you grew up like this, that's all you know, like my kids, that's all they know. They don't know anything different and they know what's what's good for them. And yeah, they veer off in college and stuff and do crazy things, but then they all go back to what they were taught early on. And so right. we've got to start teaching. Luckily, I am seeing that though in mothers, my young mothers here, 30 something years old, they're, 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 they're doing amazing jobs and very conscientious of no technology, the right foods, being outside and playing, et cetera, et cetera. So, but probably, you know, I'm seeing a skewed, uh, skewed population mm -hmm. too. Uh, you know, that's not what's going on in Louisiana or Missouri or Michigan or anything like that, probably. Uh, but I do think with JJ's efforts, my efforts, all the other people that we work with who are trying to really transform the landscape of health and medicine and people's lifestyle, because uh, we've reached a point of no return now. We've reached of no return. There's no more drugs that are going to help you. Um, there's no more, you know, new novel exercises that are going to help you because we've, we've really created those and they're out there. And so, uh, you know, you can find a YouTube on anything. And so we're in the era of information. Yes, there's a lot of disinformation out there, like JJ said. Uh, so, uh, but we, you can easily now apply this information if it isn't you know, if you do it and isn't working, then you know it's not the right information, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think just to close it out, because Dr. C, I know you have patients <laughs> coming up, is start with the foundations. There is so much information out there, there's so much conflicting information out there. But again, what I'm hearing from both of you is if you just start with the foundations of eating real foods, making sure you're getting those nutrients that's a really good place to start that might even you know i say sometimes we're just stuck in this downward spiral of everything is working against us and if we can just get that spiral slowly going upward we'll get more motivation we'll get more energy and then it makes making those harder changes a little bit easier right and the other key important thing is you didn't get to where you are overnight so you know seven days it's not going to dramatically shift you just start with one thing incorporate it make it habitual add the next build right and then you'll look back over six months to a year and you'll be an entirely different different physiology entirely right. different healing so but it's just build on it right that's what i always tell patients from the time you start with me it takes about a year because you have to do little by little by little and uh, patients can't do it overnight and um, don't expect that because it's too much pressure and stress on the patient. So, uh, and we walk them through this new transformation of themselves. Mm -hmm. Well, JJ, thank you so much. This was so wonderful. 
so happy to have you on the show. I know. I miss I miss seeing you. Uh, I miss seeing you too, honey. I think about you uh, uh, a lot. And I, I was in Florida for a week, quick weekend in Tampa, and I was like, oh. Oh, my gosh. You were here and you didn't tell me. You, were, you live in Tampa? That's where I live. That's where oh I moved to. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. My heart is breaking. I know. <laughs> God, I can't believe that. I, because I, I didn't think you lived in Tampa, but I should have texted you and found out where you. Yep. Were. So, anyway, I hope you're Come doing back. beautiful and yeah. But please continue your good work and um, and together we can you know even if we change one person's lifestyle, we're we're making progress. Anyway, well, thank you again so much. And we'll make sure, you know, your books, your website, your socials are all linked in the show notes for the listeners to go learn more about you. Thank you. I appreciate it.